0: Hey y'all, this is Trent, and I am one part of No Walls Worship, and No Walls Worship is an alternative service of Bee Creek United Methodist Church. And I'm in your podcast because, well, I've been doing this where I record it, and uh, I do it for a few reasons. One, I do it because it's a good way for me to prepare to get a get a rep in, if you will, for the the live show, <laughs> and then uh, it's also a good way for me to connect. I'm I'm off doing the offsite service quite a bit and, and miss seeing y'all's faces. And if I can connect with you this way, that's that's a cool thing. And then um, third, it's easier than trying to set up recording equipment wherever we're going to be doing service. So it's a it's a win 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 for everybody. Uh, I am I'm really. Overwhelmed that we're entering the second year of No Walls. It was January of 2017 when we did these preview services at Angels, and uh, this has been such a good thing in my life. And I could go on and on about that, but just it's been a really good thing. Uh, we were busy in December. We had two candles and carols services, uh, including our second one. Second annual Candles and Carols at Angel's Ice House. I love those folks. Uh, Such a cool spot. And I'm going to give you a tip. This is a bit of a sidebar. Um, Off menu, you can order the chicken fried chicken sandwich with blue cheese and a side of buffalo sauce. They haven't committed to this yet, but I want to get them to call that the No Walls Chicken Sandwich. Uh, it's delicious, and it's what I'll order every single time I go to Angel's from now on. So okay. <laughs> keep a lookout for the No Walls chicken sandwich. Um, we also had two Dallas events. We took No Walls on the road up in John's hometown. That was super fun, and I was I was really, really honored to be part of that, and, and it was cool that John invited me up there. Plus, plus, our families got to see us do what we do, the folks, of our friends and families that live up in Dallas, and... That was a really, really cool thing. Um, all of it's been really good, and we've got some things we're excited about for 2018, uh, including a second annual Easter Eve crawfish. There's more to come on that, but we're going to start planning that pretty soon. But um, I don't know. Generally, I, I'm just really excited about new year, the new year, and I've got this sense of optimism about 2018 that... I hope you're feeling too. Um, so like I said, I'm preparing for service tomorrow. And I'm going to roll through this message with you. Uh, the title of this one, and uh, I'll share with you, I, 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 I don't title this for any other reason but for the podcast, but it's been kind of a fun thing for me. I, I titled this one, uh, A Story About Joe. So we'll roll into it. I want to tell you a story about Joe. Joe lives here in Spicewood. Joe comes from a good, solid family. He went to Lake Travis schools. He played on the football team in middle school. He he didn't keep playing in high school because Joe, like a lot of us, knew that genetics weren't uh, being kind to him. He knew he wasn't big enough to keep up with the other guys and Joe also wanted to spend more time on his studies because he knew, he knew that his father wanted him to go to college and preferably UT, hook him. Joe's dad was a home builder. He'd had some success. He's had, had good success in his business, but Joe's dad never went to college. And he could tell really early that Joe would have a knack for the the business, the family business, because he, he loved to hang out at the construction sites. Joe was just naturally good with people, and he also had a head for numbers. But for Joe's dad, it was it was real important to him that Joe go to school, that he have that experience, and that, that college somehow would open up other options and other opportunities for him. And Joe knew this, and... And um, Joe's dad worked real hard. He'd worked hard, saved hard, was disciplined to try to provide for his son. And Joe wanted to make his dad proud. So after he finished up with football at middle school, as soon as he was old enough, Joe got a job. He got a job over at Pete Terry's Flippin' Burgers. And Joe started saving money for school. And in his sophomore year, Joe met a girl. <laughs> she was a freshman, but Joe just Joe thought, boy, this girl is pretty and she was very kind. And y'all know this that a, a 16-year-old wouldn't register this in his frontal cortex. But he he knew and he could feel that she was strong and determined. Now Joe was 16. And you know, and Joe's dad knew, and I know, that romances can be fleeting. But he and, gosh, everybody who was around them knew that what Joe and this girl had was special. They laughed together. They were respectful to each other's parents. Everyone got along really well. Joe's girl, she she played volleyball, and she mostly sat on the bench. She wasn't very good, but... As busy as Joe was with school and his job, Joe found a way to be there for most of her games. He didn't care much for volleyball, but Joe learned the game anyway, and he was there, and he cheered for the team. And now physically, Joe was taking things slow. I mean, they were holding hands, and they were kissing, and even though his hormones were on fire, he was taking things slow. They kissed they held hands, and uh, they, they hadn't exactly taken a chastity vow, but Joe knew that they should wait. And And to be frank, as busy as they were and as structured as their lives were, they hadn't really been put in positions to, to um, let's just say, round that base. And while Joe was too young to understand real, real love, but as best as he knew, he felt like he was in love with this girl and when he dreamed of the future, he saw her and he saw them together. So I want you to I want you to feel the weight of this with me and try to understand how Joe must have felt when his girlfriend when Mary came to him and said, Joe, I'm pregnant. Now, if you've been around, I've... yeah, You know that I've been avoiding Christmas. I've been avoiding doing Christmas messages. Most of December, I wrote and I spoke about the new year. I was thinking about and talking about vision and purpose and... And so I guess it only makes sense that now that we're in the new year, I'm backing up and I'm looking at the Christmas story. And y'all, it occurred to me that that the folks that come to Walls that this is part of what they're going to get from me. And um, I'm, I'm not trained in the liturgical calendar and I've got a full-time job and a family and responsibilities outside of this. And so I, I don't, Sit down and plot out a year's worth of messages, and and try to get them all lined up exactly right. Um, but what you will get from me, and what I promise you, is even when I go out of order, I promise you I'll always, I'll always bring you things that I'm excited to talk about. It's it's always going to be things I'm noticing and seeing in my personal study but it's always going to be things I'm excited to share with you. And so this is the first, I'm going to do a little reading. And this is the first book of the New Testament. It's uh, Matthew. And the interesting thing, chronologically, Matthew is not the first book um, written, uh, which we're going to talk about in a second, but As we look at the New Testament, and it's the first book. It's the first book of the New Testament. Um, The first book, the first chapter, and really this is the first story. This is Matthew 1. I'm going to start in verse 18 and go to 21. This is how Jesus was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, she became pregnant. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel had said, "Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit." You all this This story is absurd. And it's it's one of the things that I get really fired up about when I think about the Bible is that sometimes it's in the absurdity that we find the most beautiful things. This is how Jesus was born. Now, I told you the story of Joe and... Uh, it's obvious to you probably that Joe is Joseph. And the story of Joe, I told you, is a gross oversimplification. And in a lot of ways, it's a bad analogy. But I, I told it that way because I wanted you to feel the weight of it, the absurdity of it. If If Joe was my son and he came home at 16 and says, dad, my girlfriend's pregnant and we haven't been together. I'd say, Joe, you've got to break up with her. She's disrespected you. This child isn't your responsibility. You've got your whole life ahead of you. You've got plans and goals. Joe, you work at P. Terry's. You can't afford to raise a baby. (laughs) You can't afford to raise a baby. I can't afford to raise a baby, but... Joe, you still are a baby. And if y'all are thinking, well, things were different back then, well, you're right. <laughs> I mean, it was more common for young people, early teens, to get married and have babies, but having a baby out of wedlock for a woman, that would have been an absolute shame. Mary would have been ostracized from society. I mean, there there was no MTV show called Teen Moms for her to go on. This This is a culture in which... Part of the wedding ceremony was a blood ritual where a rabbi would be literally outside the, the bedroom chambers to confirm the bride was pure. You know, this is an absurd story. And this is the first story we get in the gospel. The very first story that we get of the good news. And it's of Joe, it's of Joseph saying, this may not be my child, but what if this is God's child? And y'all, I I could stop right there and say not one more word, just say amen, let's pray, let's play the closing song, (laughs) but I also want you to see something else in the context of this story. And what I told you just a minute ago as is, is I read the couple of verses in Matthew was that Matthew wasn't the first book written. Most scholars believe that Mark was written first and, and it's not even fair to say written. This book was written because what I don't want you to be picturing is an author in an office writing something at his desk, you know, coming up with a story. This was a time when history was shared through oral tradition. So when we read in our Bible the gospel according to Matthew, a better way of thinking about this is whoever the author was was writing down the, the, share, the stories shared orally by a community. And so you could read this more as the gospel according to the Matthean community. And in the, in the Matthean community based on the time period that scholars estimate it was written was made up of second generation Christians. And so the author is writing for or to or collecting the narratives of this Matthean community that's largely made up of Messianic Jews. And that's a fancy way of saying Jewish Christians or Christian Jews, which I know today is largely an oxymoron, but back then in the early church, a Christian Jew, a Jewish Christian was the norm. And that's important because as you read Matthew and you think about this Methean community of Christian Jews, what we know about them is that ritual and practice were still very important to these people. And the hundreds and hundreds of Jewish laws that they held sacred were still being practiced. And the last thing I I want you to know to set this up for the context of Matthew is that at the time of this book being written, the defining event of these jewish christians lifetime the defining event like like the defining event for us maybe is the twin towers falling and the the war on terror that followed the defining event for these people was the temple being destroyed by the romans and then also the first roman jewish war So the temple is destroyed. There was now no temple to go to, to worship. There's no mountain to climb, no place to take their sacrifices. All of their old ways had been destroyed. So everything you knew or thought you knew or relied on for God or for connection to God had been taken away from you. So deep in the subtext of Matthew as you're reading the analogies and reading the stories and reading the beautiful words, everything in between the lines is about setting a new foundation. And at the beginning of the story, the very beginning of Matthew, after the genealogy is taken care of, we get this story. And this story starts this is how jesus was born this is an entirely new way and here's the message this is this is the punchline and this is the one i've been thinking about and the one i want you to hear joseph was faced with a choice He was faced with a choice to hold on tight to what he thought was the right thing to do. To follow the old path, the old way of doing things. No, no one would have blamed him. In fact, choosing what he chose, I'm certain there were people that laughed at him. He could have held on to what he thought he was supposed to do or what the community said was right to do. Or he could have begun to imagine that there's a new way. Here's what I know. I know that each of us, each of us could look back at our story and see moments where we began to make a shift in our life. And I got to I got to talk to this man, and I know some of you know him, and because of that, I, I want to call him Bob. Bob became a doctor, and I got to talk to Bob, and we were talking. <laughs> and Bob was sharing with me what he liked most about his profession. He said, I think the, I think Trent, the biggest challenge or the most important thing to me about having been a doctor was bedside manner. He said, Trent, I I felt the weight, I felt the responsibility of putting people at ease when they were feeling vulnerable. He said, I care about being kind to those who are sick and frightened. And y'all, that's just hands down beautiful. And when I was talking to Bob, I was already starting to think about this message. I was already starting to think about the idea that most of the time it is out of an old way or a harmful way or an ugly way, the new and beautiful new and beautiful ways are born. And so I asked him, I said, where was that passion born from? How, how did you develop a heart for that? Was there like a bad experience or a, and he, and he said, I don't, honestly, I don't know if it was this because, because I haven't ever even really thought about it, but as soon as you asked me that question, I flashed back to being a dentist, being in a dentist chair. He said, I was maybe six or seven years old. And here, here's what you need to know about Bob's background. Bob grew up in poverty. I mean, he was dirt poor. I mean, they didn't have health insurance. They didn't have dental insurance. And so Bob didn't get to go to the dentist every six months like our kids do. And... He said he had he'd, uh, developed an infection in one of his teeth and had to go in for a procedure. And I said he was poor. His, his mother couldn't afford much, so they ended up in the cheapest place they could find. And y'all, well, they didn't have Yelp reviews back then, but I'm sure this place didn't have many stars. And Bob shared that what he could remember vividly about that dentist chair was the dentist coldly and quickly shooting him with a needle into his mouth, the the numbing agent, with almost no warning. And he can remember sobbing into his mother's shoulder while the dentist impatiently looked on. Out of ugly, dark things, beautiful things can be born. Out of this ugly experience with the dentist, a kind, gentle, and patient doctor served hundreds, thousands. I said at the start of this story that I bet we all have moments, moments where we begin, and I want to punch that word. I want to punch where we begin To shift. Because I don't know that we always recognize moments as they happen. Sometimes it's only in hindsight. And the change isn't always, and I would say usually, the change isn't usually dramatic, 180 degree or a right turn. But I think about it in shifts. I can remember this pretty traumatic point this pretty traumatic moment in my life from just right after college. And I, I'm not going to go into a bunch of detail about it, but as I was thinking about this last week, I I realized that was not a turning point, but maybe, in, maybe a bending point. Because as I examined the weeks and the months after, I, I realized my life didn't look dramatically different, but I started making movement in a new direction. My decisions were different. And over time, my life began to change to a point that I hardly remember who that version of me was. And y'all, I bet we could take turns. I bet we could take turns reflecting on old ways. I bet we could all look back and think about where our lives turned, shifted, bended in different directions. And I bet we also could take turns thinking forward, thinking about things in our lives right now that we want to change. Maybe it's maybe it's something in our thinking it's it's a lie that we're telling ourselves. Maybe it's something in our habits a behavior that's become almost autopilot, or maybe it's something else entirely. Maybe it's a pattern we learn from a parent, but as I sit here and Talking to this microphone myself, something is nagging at me. There's something there, and I can feel it nagging me to change. And y'all, I I almost don't want to leave you there. I almost want to roll into another story because I I feel that I feel that we're getting. Da- <laughs> Dangerously close to an altar call. Um, But I just want to do this. I, I want to reinforce. Out of old things, out of ugly things, out of dark things, out of hateful things. Beautiful things are born. And I believe that more than I believe just about anything else. And what I also believe that it's it's in this kind of examination of our life what old things need to die, what what new things could be born here that makes us Jesus-y, uh, Jesus-ish. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. What makes us what makes Jesus alive in us is our continuing journey of letting old things die, old ways die, and letting new things be born. Hmm. Y'all had fun with you. Uh, this was a story about Joe.